Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. And so I was uh, preparing for this. We took a break last week as uh, Rick and Sherry taught, and, and um, I was off at a wedding, and they did a great job. And, but I wanted to come back and just kind of wrap this up and, and tie it all together uh, for a few things that I feel like the Lord has been saying, and I just haven't been able to get them out um, during, during the other, other few times. But uh, it, it's, it's going to become increasingly important to us, I think, as people as believers, that we actually begin to understand what it is we're called to, what kind of a life we really are called to live, and, and how that's going to, to play out uh, in our lives. Uh, because we, we have to understand that there's an idea that we have, we have been raised with Christ, we've participated with Christ in the resurrection. And I think a lot of times we hear those phrases, we hear maybe the theological terms, the, the biblical terms, and, and cognitively we can recognize those and believe those and all of those things. But I, I feel like the more that I, I read the Bible and study the Bible and, and think about this stuff, the more I believe that really we don't believe it. Because it's just, it's just too good to be true. And I know for me, like, I find that as I'm reading it, I can say, yeah, you know, cognitively, I can, I can understand those truths. Intellectually, I think I believe those. But realistically, I don't know if I believe it enough to a point where I'll actually change and actually change the way I'm thinking. Paul calls it renewing the mind, like the way I changed my whole mindset towards, towards Jesus. So I just wanted to talk about that. Because it's some, it's some pretty heavy stuff, some pretty incredible things that the Bible tells us about being born again and what that means for us. And I find over and over again that, that I, I'm not sure that I really believe it. Because if I believe it, I'll, I'll think differently. I'll change the way I think. That's what repent means we've talked about. Repent means to rethink, to reorient our thought process. And so as I was, uh, as I was studying, I, I just, I'm just not sure that it's something that I've fully believed enough, at least to change internally. It's easy to change externally. We can set, set a reminder on our calendars, and, and we can remind ourselves to change a certain action. I think that's easier than a real internal change that will take place once we actually begin to believe this enough to see the fruit of it come out. So I think, I think that we're all kind of like the stories that we really like to hear. We, we really enjoy the stories where, where the people, the, the hero is, is found out to be great. And, and they've gone their whole lives and, and lived in the shadow of greatness. And then all of a sudden someone comes to them and says, you're really this person. And it changes everything for them. It changes their outlook. I mean, I think about... Um, my wife, Sarah, loves the Princess Diaries. I think about that, uh, you know, where she finds out she's really a princess. Or, or you think about uh, Superman, the story of Superman, where he finds out that he's not just a farm boy. He's, he's this otherworldly being that's all-powerful. Or you think about Harry Potter, where he's found living under the, under the stairs, and he's moved off to Hogwarts, and he's the savior of us all. And I think those stories really resonate with us. I mean, like, really resonate with us. 
So much so that they're kind of almost eternal stories that have just been changed and morphed throughout our, our lives, uh, throughout generations of people. Because I think the stories resonate so deeply with us because it, it is so deeply to the core of what we are. And we're constantly discovering the, the truth that we are created for more. And, and as we're looking at those stories, as we're, as we're reading those stories, the most pivotal parts, the most fascinating parts of those stories as we're reading and viewing is when the main character actually begins to step a little bit more into the destiny that he really is called to. That's when we can kind of feel ourselves rise up with them. And they start participating in the lifestyle that we know because we're, we know the story, that they're destined to believe. And they begin to walk in that. That's when we get the most excitement. And I think the reason is because that's where we should get the most excitement because those stories are our stories, but better. And as I read through the scriptures, those stories seem to be just a mere shadow of what's available for us. They seem to be uh, just an echo of the lives that we're called to live. As we're called to be, be in Christ. And so we're going to end up in Galatians. If you want to go there right now and put your finger in 326, but it's going to take a while to get there. So you can just hold it. I think, I think we sell this whole thing short. This whole Christian thing. I think we sell it short because it's too good to believe. It's too good to believe that we're actually in Christ. And we find ourselves in, in, the, in the habits in like maybe some sin management where we're trying to curb certain actions and we'll do pretty good for a little bit and we'll create some boundaries and some parameters and those will break down and then we'll find ourselves back at it again or we'll find ourselves just consumed with fear and, and we're, we have a fear of success, we have a fear of failure, we have a fear of man, we have a fear of the unknown, we just have fear, fear, fear. We're consumed with stress and worry. And so much so that, that a majority of physical and mental ailments are now caused from just stress, just worrying about things. And I believe it's because we don't really believe it. We don't believe it enough to actually have it change us. And when I find myself worrying and being fearful or being unable to conquer a sin or, or put something to death, I think I find myself, if I can reflect on that, I find myself in that situation because I just, I just don't believe it. And we see Jesus as this impossible mentor that we're someday supposed to be like, but we're really not ever going to be him, so we might as well just get on with it. But that's not what the Bible tells us. It's not what Jesus tells us. It's not what Paul tells us. It's not what the whole theme tells us. It's the theme is that you are actually born again and you've been placed in Christ. In Romans 8.1, Paul says that we are literally in Christ. I think, I think maybe we can understand that on some level, cerebral. But I think if we understand it, then we have to understand that we're in Christ and Christ is in us. And if we're in Christ, then where is Christ currently? Does anyone know? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And so somehow, logically then, if we're in Christ, then we are simultaneously seated at the right hand of the Father in the throne room, next to the throne 
of the God of the universe. That's what it says. And, and, and we're, we're literally right beside him. We have unfettered access to him. We're, we're in Christ, the hope of glory, the savior of the world. That Christ, he has placed us inside of him somehow. It's why Ephesians 2.6 says that God raised us up with Christ and then he seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. So that's, that's where we are right now. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you've been placed in Jesus, and guess where Jesus is? Right next to God, which means that we somehow also are right next to God, which means our access to God is pretty unfettered. But we don't believe it. We'll, we'll, we'll do something, we'll forget, we'll, we'll do that same sin or whatever it is, and we'll feel, what do we say? We feel far from God. Far from God. And it may take us a while to come back to him, whatever that means. But the reality is, is that we, we've never left his side. And he's never left our side. Because we're in Christ. That, was, that means something's going on right there. That was a good point. But we're not just in Christ, seated next to the Father. Scripture tells us that Jesus, who is in us, and we are in him, is seated next to the Father, interceding with us, for us, on our behalf, praying prayers for our good. Uh, Romans 8, 34 says that Christ is seated next to the Father, and he's interceding on our behalf. So Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, is praying for us, personally. He's praying for Grant right now. And what if we could get a hold of what Jesus is praying over our lives? Like, what if we believed that that was happening, and we believed that he could actually intercede on our behalf, and we'd want to hear what he's praying for us, right? Someone has said, uh, you know, if, if I had this ultra astounding prophetic word and I came to you, I have, I have this prophetic word of your life that's going to show you everything and uh, I'll be right back. And I left. You would probably put some energy into trying to figure out what that word was, just for curiosity's sake. But we, we know that Jesus is praying prayers for us. And I think he wants us to, to know them. I think he wants us to have an understanding of what he's praying for us. I mean, it would change how we would think, right? It would change how maybe we would pray. But it gets better. It's not just that we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us and Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's praying prayers for us on our behalf to God. But actually, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says that now it is God who makes us who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So what it says is that the spirit of God himself is living inside of us as well. Again, the whole point is that now that we're alive again, now that we've, we've been born into a new life, into a new era, with Christ as our, as our firstborn, or he's our big brother, then what are we supposed to live like? How is this supposed to change it? And constantly we're wrestling with this dichotomy of what Paul calls the old man. The person that we were before we came to faith in Christ. 
But the old man is dead. And so we have to learn now to, to think like the people we are. Just like the stories, the heroes of our stories, they have to learn how to think in light of the revelation that they've just gotten. And when they do, they begin to actually come alive into their destiny and their purpose and their calling. So do we now have to think in light of this revelation. So not only are we next to God with his son praying for us, he has put his spirit inside of us. The very spirit of God. I think we know it, right? Like this is not new information. But it just doesn't hit home all the time. Because if it hit home all the time, I think we would look differently. I would look differently. It even gets better than that. Jesus says uh, in John 16, 7, he's explaining to his followers, his disciples that he's been hanging out with for three years. He's getting ready to go. And he's explaining to them why it's going to actually be better for them if he leaves. Like, like Jesus, the one who made food out of nothing, who walked on water and, and, and somehow defied gravity, who raised people from the dead. It's better for them if he goes. And you know they have to be thinking, like, there's no way, man. And again, we see it over and over again in the Gospels where they keep trying to talk him out of doing what he has to do. But Jesus is sitting here and he's explaining to him that you don't understand. It's, it's far better if I go because if I go, then you really can be in me and I can be in you. And then I will send my spirit. He says in John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, this is something that I, I've just kind of come into this, this new idea about. The Holy Spirit, who's inside of you, Jesus calls the helper. And I guess I've known that. And maybe I thought he helps me when I'm in a bind or something. Or he helps me when I'm, you know, things are going wrong. Or maybe when things are going right. But I haven't really had a really good grasp on what it means that the Holy Spirit is my helper. And I think, I think for the most part, he's this nebulous thing that sometimes gives me goosebumps. And, and that's really when the key change happens in the worship song, right? Or maybe he can, maybe he can, you know, he can manifest himself through certain ways, but, but the idea that he's there to help me, I think is a new thing that I'm getting to understand on the journey. I'm not there yet. And as I, as I begin to communicate with him, uh, I've noticed that he's starting to give me clues, little tip-offs. And I'll think, surely that's me, right? Because that can't be this good. Jesus tells us it actually is this good. And in the next few verses, in 16, 13, he says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. So now it's not just the helper, it's, it's the helper who knows all truth. And he doesn't say just anything. He says what he hears. What does he hear? He hears what Jesus is praying to the Father about us. And he wants to clue us in on what is it that Jesus is praying over our lives? What is it that Jesus is pressing in towards into our lives? He's, he's hearing those, and what he wants to do is give us a divine heads up. He wants us to have 
this access to the throne, to God who created everything to give us uh, a life that is empowered to walk in authority and, and to walk towards our destiny as opposed reactionally to the circumstances that come at us. That's not his plan for us. His plan for us is not for us to be reactive to what the world throws at us. His plan for us is that he gives us a heads up for when the obstacles and the trials that will absolutely come from this world, that we'll be able to navigate through those successfully with grace and, and with Jesus. We're, we're on this journey with him. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Like, like he wants to do that. That's what the Spirit of God who lives in us wants to do. If God wants to do it, I'm betting he can do it. But again, we just, it's too good. It's just too good to be true. And what the enemy wants to do, because there is an enemy, what he wants to do is he wants to keep us from hearing that voice. And he wants to keep us entrenched in the voice of, of the old man, is what Paul calls it, the, the one that's dead. And see, we've been, we've, been, we've been in that world for a long time, some of us. We've been, we've been living the life pre-resurrection for a long, long time. And that voice has become really familiar. And we've listened to it for most of our lives. And it sounds safe because we're familiar with the old man's voice. But now that we're on this side of the resurrection, the Lord is speaking to us in a new voice. And I, I don't mean collectively, I mean you individually. He's speaking to you singularly, to each one of us that have trusted in Christ with a, a new voice, and it's gonna sound different. It's gonna sound too good to be true. Because we still don't believe God loves us that much, and we still don't believe that we have all of the access that we actually have, and we still very much feel that we are Pharisees. And we, we create parameters and we create uh, religion and, and that helps us to relate because no one could actually trust us with that much freedom, that much knowledge, that much grace or love. But the more I read the scriptures, the less it looks like me. And the more I start to wonder what's the difference. I don't think it's with the scriptures. I think it's with me. And I think because for so long, the voice of the old man has been the loudest one I can hear when I begin to hear the Holy Spirit whispering through me, to me. I just write it off as surely that can't be it. But I believe that the Lord wants you to know a couple things. He wants me to know a couple things. The first is that he loves you. You can't even begin to grasp it, the level, the amount. The, the love that he has has no end. It has no beginning for you. Whatever love you've ever felt for anyone at any time, at the peak, at the height, it's times a billion. And if he does love you that much, then he loves you enough to speak to you and to allow you to hear things and to give you a heads up, not all the time, 
but a lot of the time. To give you insight, to give you insight into, into situations, to learn how to steward the favor that he brings you. Grace is unmerited, you, you can't earn it, but favor is something we can learn to steward. And he wants to teach us how to do that as a people. And we're supposed to be living lives not as reactionary, not as people that are bouncing from one terrible thing to the next terrible thing to the next terrible thing, but as people empowered with intentionality, hearing the voice of God and speaking that voice into a situation. That's the goal. That's what the church should look like. And we need this now, by the way, more than I've ever seen. The world needs to hear the prayers of Jesus over it. Jesus' prayers sound different than, than the prayers of our old man. And what we have to do is we have to begin to, to come into an understanding of what the two voices sound like. And that sounds weird that there's voices in your head, but come on. It's not just me, right? We all have voices in our heads. That inner dialogue that, that you, know, you, you have when, when you turn off the radio in the car and you're just alone. Or that, that screams out at you when, when something happens out of your control. When circumstances in this life are yelling fear, we have to understand that Jesus is actually whispering peace. That's what his voice sounds like. When the world is rampant with hate, Jesus is actually praying love. When sadness tries to drown us, Jesus is offering joy. When hurry and busy work to rob us, Jesus is praying patience on our lives. When life is cruel, Jesus is kindness and goodness. When everyone leaves us, Jesus is faithful. When, when we hear caustic speech, Jesus is gentle. When self-gratification runs rampant, Jesus is self-controlled. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. And when we hear a voice that doesn't line up with that, when, when, we, when we bow to our emotions that scream loneliness, fear, anxiety, worry, hatred, greed, lust, we must understand that it's not that we're broken, it's that the old man is rising up again and he's yelling at us. But we don't have to listen. We can ignore it. And we can begin to say, Jesus, what are you saying? Because I don't think... You're screaming fear. And when we begin to hear peace, even in the middle of the storm, that's when we know we've dialed in to the voice we're supposed to hear. What would it look like if we could live that way? It's not that the circumstances are gonna change. Life is really tough. I mean, it's really tough. It's unfair, it's hard. People are cruel. I mean, it's difficult. And so this isn't a get-out-of-jail-free thing. But this is how do we walk even still in that, as what Scripture says, more than just conquerors. How do we live that way, like really live that way? Not just fake it till we make it. Not just answer, oh, I'm just so blessed every time someone asks you how you're doing. Well, maybe you are, maybe you're not but believing it enough to actually change our inward reactions. I think we need to begin to listen more towards the voice of the Spirit, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, joy, self-control. That's the voice of God. In the situation we enter in, whatever it is, it's gonna be quiet at first because you're so tuned in to the old man. But the Lord is saying, if you listen, I'm speaking. And he wants to enter in. And he wants to answer your prayers. I mean, he says that all through the scriptures. If we ask, you know, we'll, we'll find. Seek, we'll find. Knock, it'll open. And we, and we think maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. But it's true. He wants to enter into your life, and he wants to help you. Not just help you be better, whatever that looks like in your religious mindset, in my religious mindset, but he wants to help you conquer it, to get through it, not just survive it. That's his, that's his prayer for you. It's his prayer for me. And if we can grasp that, if we can renew our minds to such a way that we believe that when we enter into a situation that seems too much, then we'll begin to live drastically different. And then whatever we are able to have in a situation, then we can give that away, almost like currency. It's powerful. It's life-changing. It's, I mean, it's what the Bible's about. And for too long, I think we all just feel like maybe someday when we all get to heaven, things will be great. And that's true. But his plan is much, much more than that. And faith in Christ and coming to salvation and being born again isn't just so you can avoid hell. Isn't just so that you can, you can be assured of where you're going. Isn't just so that you can change your outward behaviors to look like a better person or whatever you feel like the stereotypical Christian that shops at a Lifeway bookstore looks like. We feel like maybe that's the goal. Sign me out of this if that's the goal. But the goal is that he reorients everything in our lives that we actually become literally more than just conquerors than just conquerors. So not only are you gonna conquer things, you're gonna do it well. That's his goal. Galatians 5.24 says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The whole point of the series is to make sure that we know what's going on a lot of times we'll, we'll have these moments in, in our Christian walk where we'll have this amazing salvation moment and then we'll wake up the next day and not really feel differently. We'll have an incredible experience, an emotional experience, and then we'll wake up and feel like the same person. And maybe we think it didn't take. You can come up. Maybe we feel like it, it, didn't, it didn't sit right. Maybe it didn't work this time. Maybe we didn't say the prayer the right way, whatever it is. But the point of this series is to let us know, and we've used the metaphor uh, of a caterpillar and a butterfly through this whole thing because the idea is so similar that, that we're no longer who we were, but just because he has put in us a new heart, and he has instantaneously given us a new heart, that our minds take a long time sometimes to come around to that truth. Especially 
when, when the voice of the old man is just screaming at us in every situation and step, telling us that it really didn't work or you really can't get past this or whatever, and we just sell ourselves so short to what he's called us to do. He has plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you. To prosper you. Not just to keep you around for a little while but good things because he's a good God. And so we have, we have these booklets that are kind of a devotional thing. If you haven't got one, pick it up because this is going to be something I feel like that we as a church are probably going to be obsessed with for the next decade or two of coming around to the idea that, that we're no longer who the enemy says we are. And the more we believe that, the more we begin to walk towards that, the more things will be different in our lives and the lives of those around us. Paul goes on to say, much better than I've said it, in Galatians 3.26, he says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all now one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he's no different from a slave, although he still owns the whole estate. The heir is so subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the, his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery, under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now, now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are now turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them? all over again. That's essentially what we just talked about. Just said way better. And infallible. We're no longer those people if you've put your faith in Christ. And if you want to put your faith in Christ, if you want to see what life can be like when you actually turn things upside down, we would love to pray with you about that. And so we're going to take some time and we're going to worship. We're going to have communion here. And communion is a time that, that we can actually begin to experience this process because we are in Christ and this is when we get to partake of Christ and put him in us. And it's, just a, it's a, not just a reminder, it's a prophetic proclamation that I am in Christ and he is in me so things are different. And so we're going to open communion up and at, your, at your, um, your own time, please feel free to come forward and take it back to your seat. And we're going to have some time to worship. 
and, and to ask the Lord, will, this, will you let this sink in? Will you let this become more than just a cerebral idea, more than just an intellectual truth that I probably agree with? Would you make it become so real in me that it changes me? Not just my outward actions, but my insides. So if you could stand. I just felt like we've done this a few times. I feel like we should wrap this thing up and do it one more time, just a little bit differently. We're going we're gonna to make uh, a declaration over ourselves today. And so we're, we're going, to, we're going to, to speak this out over our lives, to pray this prayer, because I believe it's the prayer that Jesus is praying over us today. So if you could, um, let's just put our hand just over our hearts that we're just praying this over ourselves. And just repeat after me. God, I want to live. We'll do that again. God, I want to live. I want to live the life you are calling me into. Help me to put the old man and the old voice to death. Help me to repent from my old way of thinking and living. Help me to put on your mind, your thoughts, and your ways. Thank you for your son, that I am in him and he is in me. Help me to begin to walk in greater understanding of this truth. Thank you for your spirit that is helping me and guiding me into all truth. Holy Spirit, this day, I choose to listen only to you. Speak to me and help me listen to your words. For I know that your words sound like love. They sound like joy. They sound like peace and patience. Kindness and goodness. Faithfulness and gentleness. And self-control. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with our spirit. Amen. So I feel like the Lord is just saying, let's just take a little time right now and just allow the Spirit to speak. He's going to make it clear. We just command the old man to be quiet in Jesus' name. Lord, we just open our ears. In the name of Jesus, would you open our ears so that we can hear your voice? Would you tell, you, tell us your dreams that you have over our lives? Would you tell us the prayers that you're praying? Would you allow those thoughts, those, those thoughts inspired from you to begin to pop to the surface? as we worship you. For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.